Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, joined today by Ole Miss baseball radio color analyst and career hits leader, Brad Henderson. We're talking baseball in the program today. Folks, before we get too far along, we want to thank our partners at the Oxford Park Commission, OPC, is looking for lifeguards at the city pool this summer. The season opens Memorial Day weekend and runs through Labor Day. Lifeguard candidates need to be age 16 or older. They need to hold a current lifeguard certification. Any questions can be directed to OPC Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler at jamie at oxfordparkcommission.com. That's J-A-M-I-E at oxfordparkcommission.com. You can apply online at oxfordms.net. Brad, how you doing, man? I'm good, Parrish. I'm good. Real good after that weekend. I'm telling you, big weekend for the Rebels. Uh, they stay at number four uh, in this week's release of the D1Baseball.com Top 25. Uh, uh, Brad, I'm still not able to wrap my mind around that. I just I see uh, too many issues, I think, for this team to be number four, but that's where they are right now. But I'll tell you, when you sweep an SEC opponent, it makes uh, last Tuesday at Louisiana Tech uh, a 13-to-1 loss, makes it seem like a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, it really does. They, they Obviously, they, they played poorly last Sunday and last Tuesday. But uh, obviously, Gunner gets you off on the right start Friday night, and uh, then it was kind of downhill from there. But, yeah, overall, just I, I don't know if they could have drawn it up any better. Yeah, it was really a – uh, really a, a, a strong statement uh, for Ole Miss uh, this weekend. Brad, we, we've talked before about how hard it is to win three games on a weekend, especially in the SEC. Uh, how big was it for Ole Miss to get out in front early with that seven-run second inning there in game three yesterday? Well, obviously it turned out to be huge. You know, uh, I don't think anybody saw Auburn getting a nine spot in in the top of the eight to kind of get back in it, you know, fourteen to nine. But uh, yeah, I, to me it was the offense uh, really Saturday and Sunday that put a lot of pressure on Auburn, and, and it was one through nine. You know, so so many times we just talked about Tim Elko or Kevin Graham, but it, it was everyone. And then you you throw in the heroics of the Calvin Harris on Saturday and. And T.J. McCants had a really good weekend, too. So, if, if things start clicking one through nine, it, it, they're going to be really good in this league. Yeah, I want to come back to that offense a little bit. Let's talk about game three. A big, big inning early. So, you kind of you kind of felt good about where it was headed, felt like the sweep was just a matter of uh, getting to the finish line there on Sunday. Uh, I know that when you lead 14 to nothing, Brad, that your intensity level is different. But, but man, 16 combined runs over the last <laughs> inning and a half, you don't see that a lot. When it was 14 to nine, I stopped making jokes about the game. I thought, man, it's about to get real. Uh, you know, I mean, when it was 14 to nine, you, you, you add one run and all of a sudden you turn it into a one swing game. They never got there. But uh, what's what's it like playing in a game like that when you're up fourteen to nothing? I mean, I, I thought we saw an example of uh, of the team relaxing a little bit. We saw a very uncharacteristic error by Justin Bench. You know, we saw a you know collision on the infield. I mean, uh, Luke Baker. I don't think he got anybody out, but some of it was not his fault. 
Yeah, you know, I, the way that inning started with the ground ball to in between Bench and Gonzalez, and they kind of run into each other, and then and then Baker comes back and gets a double play ball that, that just goes under Justin's glove, and and then it just started to kind of snowball from there. But uh, and and again, we we talked about it all weekend. This Auburn offense, you knew they had it in them, um, but you know, I don't know that we got lights. You know. Uh, Mike had, had rotated some guys in that really hadn't played all weekend, and that may have something to do with it, not because of the talent, but they just weren't in that rhythm of the game, and uh, we were just trying to close it out at that point. But Auburn certainly made a scare, but it, it was good to tack on five more uh, after that, and, and then you felt like it was over. Yeah, I thought uh, that was really important to come back and, and, uh, and get that uh... – Get, get that five spot, uh, you know, just to make a statement there that, uh, hey, the, the heads are straight and, and we are back in this. I thought not extending the lead was a problem uh, in game two on Saturday. They got up six to nothing and, and they never scored again. And that turned out to be a very close game uh, at the end, more drama uh, at the finish than you thought you should have when you were in a 6-0 game. And, uh, Brad, I looked at that and I thought now, the uh, the 20, the 19, the 18 teams, Ole Miss teams, they win that game like 12 to 7. You know, those those offenses keep extending the lead. And, uh, you know, there's a body of work now. I, I think uh, this Ole Miss offense, you can safely say, is really missing the production uh, that they got last year from Tyler Keenan and Anthony Servideo. And that's, that's no big surprise. Those were two huge, impactful players. But I think that uh, uh, Mike Bianco and, and a lot of people thought that Ole Miss would be farther along in replacing that production at this point. Maybe uh, maybe Sunday's game, maybe Saturday, maybe, maybe that's a turning point. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously those two guys are, are you know, one of them was hitting over 400 and the other one was has just hit his whole career, Tyler Keenan. Uh but again, I, you know, we're so heavy dependent on so many freshmen. Uh, and they're still going to take their lumps, but at least you can see them starting to take tep, steps in the, in the right direction. And, uh, you know, kind of like Calvin Harris, not, not only the home run on Saturday, but, you know, he gets a big double early. Uh, I'm sorry, this home run on Friday, and then he gets a big double, a two RBI double on Saturday. So if those guys can just – give you some sort of offense, you know, where you know six, seven, eight, nine in the lineup are not automatic outs. Uh, I, I thought that was real key for us. Now, are we going to hit 320 for the year? I don't know. But uh, Mike talked about in the postgame on Saturday is is the, the number that's important to him is what's their batting average with, with runners on third and less than two outs and with runners in scoring position. So I thought overall it was really good off uh, – offensive weekend obviously friday night was a was a pitcher's duel which typically it is in the sec um but again you know it's so hard to sweep only one other team swept this weekend and that was florida so you know they, they've got to love where they're at right now especially knowing there's a real shot they're going to get dug back this weekend and possibly choke back so I, I think that plays a huge role in it as well yeah. Yeah, uh, and Vanderbilt didn't sweep. Now, they jumped to number one this week uh, in the D1Baseball.com top 25. I mean, obviously, they're, now I, I don't think there's a real argument with them being there, but you're right. It, it is hard to sweep. Um, 
first base, we were talking last week about the need to get more production from first base. And then all of a sudden you jump up and, you know, the guys that you think are going to produce for you there, you don't have them. They're, they're not available. Kale Baker with the hand injury and surgery after the Louisiana Tech game. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, Trey LaFleur with Mono. Um, you know, you're hoping one of those guys can come on and they're not around right now to do that. I do think, Brad, that uh, if you ask me if I'm making out that lineup card like uh, you know, the rest of the year, it's uh, Elko at first and, and McCants in center. Uh, we, we, you talked about freshmen a little bit, and, and uh, maybe they are starting to come around. Look, these winning teams, NCAA tournament teams, they have elite freshmen. They, they have freshmen who uh, make plays and contribute, and certainly uh, T.J. McCants in center, another infielder going to the outfield for Mike Bianco. He does that a lot. He's done that with great success. It's the second time he's done it this year. Um, you know, played really well, and, uh, of course, you – you mentioned uh, Harris there. So, uh, you know, Calvin Harris, just a big plays from those guys. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you're, and you're starting to get – and you're starting to get from Jacob Gonzalez, too. You're starting right. to see a little more consistency out of him. Uh, it, the thing that scared me going into the year was, are those guys – some of those guys going to have to hit at the top of the lineup, you know. And, and right now they're not. And I, you're right on the uh, on the lineup. I don't think it changes uh, – if they continue to contribute, I think putting Tim at first is the right move. Uh, Bench obviously clearly can, can play third. He, you know, he, he had the one bad inning yesterday, but uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see who, who we go with when we face a lefty, um, you know, but Ben Van Cleve starting to swing it a lot better as well. And I think he's a huge component in this lineup. So, you know, I think the moves were good. I, I think he'll stick with that for a while um and then obviously if we have to reshuffle a little bit more they will and john rice Plumley is starting to show some signs at the plate you know i think he's up to around 278 now so if you get any production from him you know what he's going to do in center field so uh again but it's going to come back down to starting pitching uh and timely hitting and and they had all three this weekend Hey, we forgot to ask about uh, about Doug yesterday, Nikhazy, but uh, what, what did Mike have to say about him uh, in the postgame? Well, I had read where he uh, – we, we didn't ask him either in the postgame, but I had read where uh, Doug had thrown a bullpen yesterday and felt great. Yeah. Um, Trophy had thrown a bullpen yesterday and felt great. So I'll be shocked if we don't see them uh, at Alabama. Yeah, I knew, uh, I knew uh, Trophy was on schedule. Uh, to, to get back in that two to four week window that um, that Mike had given us originally. And, and honestly, at the beginning of the season, you know, after that Texas weekend, uh, if you tell me whether well, they're going to be without Max Trophy for two to four weeks, I think, well, they, they absorbed that loss pretty easily. You know, th this was a very deep bullpen. A lot of guys uh, were productive, but uh, I think what the following weeks have shown us, it's been a reminder that, that uh, this is a long season and you need uh, all the arms you can get and uh, production one weekend is good, but it's not a guarantee of production the following weekend. Uh, speaking of the bullpen, um, Austin Miller gave up a couple of home runs, pitched well, but uh, he, he kind of helped that game get closer on Saturday. But I thought uh, Taylor Broadway, two appearances, sometimes uh, this season, that second appearance in a weekend, has been a little sketchy for Taylor. He was really strong for two appearances. I thought uh, 
I thought he looked sharp uh, on the weekend. What did you think? Yeah, he, he's going to be our guy. He, he's just too much of a strike thrower with four different pitches, and he was running it out there 95 miles an hour this weekend. So, yeah, he gave up a run on Saturday uh, and got in some trouble. But, no, he, he's your guy. I thought he was really strong. Um, but, again, you know, Miller uh, – Miller's what Miller is. He's not a strikeout guy. He, he's got that big breaking ball, and it's, it's hard to barrel up. But when he leaves it out over the plate, then obviously they can do some damage with it. Uh, but, yeah, I think getting Chopin back is huge uh, just simply because – that, that pin is deep, but they have shown signs where uh, they're vulnerable. And I, I think I think Mike and, and Lafferty will, uh, you know, they're going to weed it down to, you know, four or five guys on a weekend that they feel confident in. Uh, and, and then if we get in situations like we were yesterday, we have a 14-run inning, then, yeah, you try and save some arms and, and use some other guys. But, uh, you know, it, it's – like I said, it's deep, uh, but there's so many of them that are young that have never been in this league. So you, you expect them to take some lumps. You just hope it's not in a in a six to five ball game like it was on Saturday. I thought Drew McDaniel had a good start uh, in game two there on Saturday. I think what two runs over five innings. I mean, a guy making his first SEC start, uh, really just what the third start maybe uh, of his career. Uh, I thought uh, he was very good, gave him everything he'd hoped for, and, and he's done well uh, in the Casey's absence. And, and certainly, uh, you know, he'll benefit from this time. But what did you think of uh, of his start? Yeah, I thought he was tremendous. I, I think realistically, if you ask Mike going into that game, would you take two runs and five, five innings from Drew McDaniel? I think he would have taken that all day. Uh, it'll be curious once Doug gets back if they'll leave Drew as the midweek guy or, or if they'll kind of roll him into maybe maybe a, a, a weekend reliever uh, and, and possibly both. You know, if you got two innings out of him on a Saturday, he would certainly be able to come back on a Tuesday or Wednesday and start a game. But, yeah, he's been tremendous. And the stuff has always been good. It's just, He's just been overshadowed by – uh, Gunner and Doug, and then you know Derek kind of went in that Sunday role. But no, I mean he's a weekend starter, and, and we knew that. Um, it's just they're so top heavy with those first three guys. He just couldn't figure in the mix. But uh, talent wise, yeah, he, he his stuff is really good. He's ninety to ninety three, uh, and he competes. You know, he's a strike thrower. Um, you know, so I, I would have no problem if he had to run back out there against Alabama on Friday because we play Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week. Uh, but, no, I mean, he, he's a – he's a any other team, he's probably an SEC weekend guy. So, that's just a luxury we have. Um, but, no, I, I think – I, I thought he was outstanding on Saturday. Yeah, and I think he could really – with with the work that he's put in the last couple of weeks, you could really see him being effective as a weekend starter next year. And and I think that's in his future. And I like the idea of uh, of not limiting a guy to just, oh, he's our non-conference starter on Tuesday night. I mean, yeah, I mean, you got that guy and, and, uh, and he's producing at the level that uh, Drew McDaniel is right now. I, I think you need to lean on him and get that couple of innings uh, and make that bullpen uh, even deeper on the weekends. And, and look, uh, not telling five anything he doesn't know. I think uh, he'll figure that out. And I would uh, kind of look to see uh, McDaniel on the weekends a little bit uh, when the situations warranted it.
Uh, you know, so anyway, I, I think he's been impressive uh, in the opportunity that you see a lot uh, when there's an injury and and so and a guy gets a chance to do some different things. So uh, been good for Drew McDaniel. Let's go back to T.J. McCants, uh, Brad. The whole uh, infield to outfield thing. I, I know the idea here is you sign athletes and you know you you don't get pigeonholed by a, a position that a guy played in high school. Um, but what is the transition there? What what is the the biggest change that these middle infielders? Usually it's middle in, infielders. You know you're, you're not seeing too many uh, too many third uh, third baseman or big first baseman run out there to center field. But uh, what what is the biggest challenge for these guys to make that transition from infield to outfield? Well, I, I think it's just reading the angles off a of bat. You know, balls in the gap, balls over your head, just that initial jump. And, uh, you know, we saw TJ run a ball down yesterday in the game in center field that uh, yeah. not many people on this team make, you know, e even the outfielders. And he got an unbelievable jump and took the correct angle. And it, it, at the time, it was a big momentum play for us. And, uh, and the crowd recognized it. He got a huge ovation on the way in. And, uh, you know, but some people are just giving God giving – talent and ability and and he used that in that in that case uh, but to me that was the hardest thing is it's just reading it off the bat and getting quality jumps and he's so athletic and we, we talked to him after the game and you know he didn't seem overwhelmed by being moved out there so I think he sticks for a while especially against right-handers um, and, and he's just a quality kid too so but again you know if, if you know you've got a chance to start on an STC weekend and you're a freshman, you're not complaining about that. If you can just get in the lineup, you know, so I'm sure he's worked extremely hard in practice to, to because now it's his to lose, you know, and, yeah. uh, and that's a huge thing too, because when you know you're going to the yard and you're going to play that day, the adrenaline gets going and, and, you know, it just kind of drives you to be better. I got tickled at, uh, at Bianco's response uh, when we were talking with him after the game about the infield outfield thing and, and uh, moving TJ out there. And he said, you got to be careful with some of these guys. You ask them if they've ever played outfield before and they say, yeah, travel baseball. And well, you know, you gotta, you gotta push them a little bit. That, that could be like the six and under travel baseball. And, uh, and that's sort of, that could have been a long time ago, you know, travel baseball, I, I covered a lot of ground there, but uh, anyway, he looked very comfortable in making that change. And again, it's about athleticism. And if you can make that read, make that read and track the ball, and, and he obviously showed an ability to uh, do that. And, and it wasn't like it wasn't like he caught up with the ball, Brad. It wasn't like he caught up to it, and it was an easy catch when he got there. He had full extension of his uh, left arm on the run and kind of speared it, you know, and and, and kind of snatched it uh, out of the air like that. I mean, that made it even more impressive. But I'm telling you, um, there have been some really, really impressive catches by Ole Miss center fielders uh, in recent years. Like I'm, I'm thinking of one that Bench made earlier this year, and, and maybe his most impressive play was that back to the infield catch when he was coming from second base. But I go back to uh, that Ryan Olenek catch up against the wall in Fayetteville uh, in the Super Regional in 2019. There have been some, uh, some really – really good plays in the outfield by Ole Miss guys. And I think every one of those guys that I've mentioned uh, was a high school infielder. I think that's what the Olenek was. 
Yeah, he was. He was a high school shortstop. And and then you even take Kevin Graham. I, I think yeah. he's played an exceptional yeah. left field. And, and he was a first baseman coming to Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think it helps TJ that, that he's got Leatherwood and, and, and Graham on the corners uh, who can kind of help him out. Um, and then you got John Rice Plummy too, who made a game saving catch there on Friday night. So where I thought coming into the year, we were going to be average defensively in the outfield. We're probably above average. I'm not going to say we're, you know, we're not Deion Sanders out there and, and, and just going to track everything down. But I think with what they're working with that we're pretty good in the outfield. I think above average is a good grade for that group right now. I, and I'd say uh, really above average with, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that they've run out there in center field. Um, when I looked at the, at the lineup at the beginning of the year, I thought that outfield, it's going to take some time for me to build up some confidence in that group. But I, I would say that, uh, that I'm there with Graham. He's going to catch whatever he gets to, and he's going to get to, more things than you would think as a former first baseman. He's a little more athletic than I think people give him credit for initially. Uh, he's going to cover just a little bit more ground than you think, and he's going to have a very dependable glove, and he tracks well. And if he gets there, he's going to make the play. Uh, there have been a couple of plays in right field that, uh, that Leatherwood has made, and uh, give him credit. Uh, sometimes I think it's, there's been a little more uh, – it's looked harder than it should have. But uh, on the whole, I think <laughs> on the whole, I think he's also been dependable, uh, dependable in that spot. And I think uh, the uh, outfield defense has been better than I thought it would be at the beginning of the season. Uh, so anyway, we'll see uh, where they go from there. Hey, I want to talk to you about John Rice Plumley a little bit. Spring football is coming up. This was a non-issue last year when everything was canceled. But uh, in February, you know, there was the buzz. What's going to happen? Spring football, baseball with John Rice Plumley and Jerry on Ely. Well, Ely's out of the picture right now, but Plumley has really kind of carved out a role for himself now as a as a late inning replacement, uh, you know, a pinch hitter, a, you know, guy with speed on the bases. And uh, and he's done pretty good with the bat. He's improved with the bat. We talked with uh, uh, Bianco yesterday. Uh, about that, and, and he said that he and Lane Kiffin uh, met a few weeks ago, and, and uh, everything is on board. Uh, Kiffin's on board with the idea of uh, Plumlee as baseball first and football where you can fit it in. But, Brad, you know football is such a culture at Ole Miss, okay? So do you think that, that, that Plumlee faces a little bit of, I, I got to get over there, a little bit of putting pressure on himself to – to get around football a little bit uh, more than than what he might need to in the coach's eyes? Well, I, I think he will go over there some. Uh, but that's just who John Rice Plumley is. Now, I know this fall when football season was going over, he'd come over to baseball early in the morning and have Coach Clem throw him BP. So the kid just wants to play, you know, no matter what sport it is. So it is him going to football, maybe if he's got an hour's worth, worth the time to go over there and and study plays or get in the book or, or do some throwing or whatever position they're, they're going to put him at. Uh, he was going to do that anyway, whether it was a role, a major role in the baseball team or a minor role. That's just who he is. But he did the same thing in the fall. 
he would come over to baseball and, and just work on some stuff. Even if it was for 45 minutes, um, he was going to get some time in. So I think it, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Like you said, uh, the two coaches have talked and it's baseball first. Um, uh, but I do think he'll go over there. I mean, he's got a brotherhood in that locker room too and doesn't want to fall further behind. Uh, but, no, I, I think he will be 100% focused on baseball during baseball season. And if something changes and his role is not as big, the coaches will work that out. But, uh, no, I think every day when they practice at 2 o'clock, John Rice Plumley will be on the baseball field. Well, I'll tell you, I think it changes things with the fact that he's not in a quarterback competition uh, in football right now. So so that does change a little bit, but you can't just discount it because he will be, he has a chance to be an impactful player in football, much more so than he was in 2020, you know, as the slot receiver, but he's still got to win that job. He had a great uh, great game there uh, in the uh, Outback Bowl at that position, five catches, 73 yards. Certainly there's an opening, losing an outstanding player in Elijah Moore, and, and Plumlee will have kind of the uh, the lead there in the competition. But, uh, you know, so he'll he'll want to be uh, aware and be on top of that uh, when he can. But, it, you know, as far as that goes, you know, if they have someone really kind of uh, shine at uh, slot receiver in the spring, he'll, you know, he'll have to do most of his winning of that job uh, in – August camp, but that's just, that's the life of a two-sport athlete, and he's not blazing a new trail here. Uh, it's been done, and I think that he has the the mentality and the work ethic to uh, to be successful in that, and we'll see. It's been good to see him uh, carve yeah. out a bigger role in baseball. Yeah, and I think it's big for him that he was a quarterback, because he's going to know the routes. I think the biggest thing for him is going to be the technique, because he's going to miss that opportunity in spring. Uh, but as far as knowing the plays and, and what that slot receiver is expected to do, he's going to know that. It's just a matter of he's got to hone in and fine tune those skills as far as running routes, breaks, and stuff of that nature. But I, I feel like obviously he's a tremendous athlete and uh, he, he'll make that transition when he needs to. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence. The Rebels at home Tuesday against Central Arkansas and then at Alabama this weekend. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday weekend uh, in SEC play. So be sure to check out uh, our coverage at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss page and watch the stories flow. And uh, we're on Facebook as well, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. Lots of good things there. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.